Today's readings are challenging, I think we could say. They evoke all kinds of things within us, so let's see if we can break them open a little bit. This past week, I heard an interview with Nadia Boltz Weber. Maybe that name rings a bell with you. She is a Lutheran pastor serving a church in Colorado called All Sinners and Saints. She is a published author now twice, and she's gained notoriety because of her journey toward the ordained office of clergy person in the Lutheran church. Her journey is not consistent with many clergy people's journey, and she reflects on that quite openly in both of her books. In this particular interview, she was recounting being among a group of people, and someone asked her directly, how is it that you stay close to God? And she was telling the story to the interviewer on the radio. She said, my answer to that person was, I don't know. I don't feel like it takes any effort to stay close to God. God seems to continually be be pursuing me. And that is how I've gotten to where I am in my life. I found her answer and the question that evoked it interesting. She said to the interviewer that she told the person that asked her the question that she feels like she has the gift of faith. It was simply given to her, and she can't quite explain how it is she got there. Interesting indeed. And I think that if we listen to that, we might then reflect and think, well, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have that gift of faith? You know that I know that God is good and generous. And I imagine God's answer being to anyone with that particular question, similar to a parent's answer to a 13-year-old who got a bicycle for her birthday instead of a car like her 16-year-old sister received. The parent would say to the 13-year-old, you're not ready for this yet, but when the time comes, I will indeed give it to you as well. How is it that we open ourselves up to be recipients of the gift of faith? I think some of our instruction is in the letter of James that we read this morning, and that is to be people of prayer. You might be familiar with prayer in a formal setting. Maybe you grew up with people reading prayers written in the book, as we do, on any given Sunday. Maybe that's where you feel most comfortable, is someone giving you the prayer to read. But there are many different ways to pray, and I want to share with you a few of them that I received from my years and relationships. My friend once gave me some prayer beads She had crafted them out of some things that I think she'd bought at, like, Michael's or something like that. And she gave them to me one Christmas, and she said, put these in your pocket. That's where I keep mine, so that when I stick my hand in there, I feel them, and I remember to pray. I remember to pray. That's right. How does the day go by? How quickly we can forget. I had another friend who told me about their predicament with their dog living in the city. They brought the dog with them when they moved into the city. 
but it was becoming untenable for the dog to stay. And she said to me, I told God you have got to find a home for Bear. I said, you just said that? I looked at her in disbelief. And she looked back at me in disbelief. And she said, yes, of course I said that to God. God knows what we need. And indeed, God did find a home for their dog. I then had another experience of another friend in prayer. She had come to this experience recounting to me how she had been conflicted about a commitment that she had made, and she thought that perhaps she should let it go, but she really wasn't sure how to let it go. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, she received an invitation to let it go. And she said to me, you know, Whitney, how I've been praying and how I've been trying to listen in my life. And here it was, the invitation to do exactly that which I had been feeling I needed to do. Her telling me her prayer experience reminded me of things I have read by some of the greats in prayer throughout Christianity. I think of St. Ignatius of Loyola, who taught that we should pay attention to the desires within us because God has placed them there so that when God presents us with the opportunity, we are quick to say yes. So I reminded my friend of Ignatius's teaching. I said, perhaps God placed that prayer within you because this was going to come down the pike. I'm also reminded, as she was reflecting to me her commitment to listening, of St. Benedict's instruction to those monks that he nurtured in the 600s. His first instruction to them was, listen. So here are some examples of prayer and how it is that it can happen in our lives. An invitation, if you will, to enter into a relationship with God in a dialogue, however it might be, starting with wherever you are, with whatever words you have, in whatever time you set aside to develop this relationship. It doesn't need to be formal as we read it in our book as we are gathered together on any given Sunday, united in the structure that we have for our worship. God longs to be in relationship with us. That's what prayer is about. I had another friend tell me about his experience of prayer, and he was praying fervently for a very particular thing, and it didn't come to fruition as he had expected. But he felt that the prayer was true, And he was confused by the outcome. He said to me, I don't know how to pray now, but I know that I want to somehow because I don't believe my relationship with God is contractual. What a beautiful observation. He could feel within himself his own disappointment and frustration. He could feel his own inclination to cross his arms and stomp his foot and turn his back and say, you didn't give me that, even though I feel like you've been wanting me to want it. Interestingly enough, God did answer his prayer in a time that passed in a way better than he expected. God calls us into relationship with him. That's what God longs for. And what is it that keeps us separated 
In the gospel lesson today, Jesus says, whatever it is, get rid of it. Cut it off. Gouge it out. Let it go. What is it that keeps us separated from God? Is it our shame at our wrongdoing? At our ignorance? Are we embarrassed? Is it our fear? Is it our desire for control? Our hunger for certainty? What is it that we hold on to that keeps us separated from God? God invites us to let it go. And it might feel as major as cutting off your hand. God invites us, though, to come into God's midst in our most vulnerable state. God invites us to come into his midst with our doubt, with our uncertainty, with our hesitancy, with our awareness of our fragility, our knowledge that things don't go like we expect them to all the time, and our unawareness of what to do with that truth. I met a friend recently, and when she arrived, I could tell that something was going on in her head. We sat down together, and she immediately talked about an argument that had just happened moments before with her boyfriend, an argument that didn't need to go like it went, and yet it did. And as she was kind of debriefing or unpacking what had just taken place, and I simply listening to her, She said, you know, I don't know why I wasn't vulnerable in the argument. She said, whenever I allow myself to be vulnerable, I have consistently been met with compassion. And it was because of my lack of willingness to be vulnerable, my inclination to be defensive, that it went badly. I thought that was a profound observation. In our life of prayer, God invites us to be vulnerable. We don't have to be all shiny, hair brushed, clothes ironed, because God sees through it all to who we really are anyway. That we're all of this. We're put together and about to fall apart all at the exact same time. We know what we're doing and are confused all at the exact same time. We have hope and are afraid simultaneously. And God invites us to acknowledge that in his midst. When we are allowed and we allow ourselves to be vulnerable before God, imperfect, maybe without all of our parts as we have become, as we've come to know them, God assures us that God is with us. In the pain of this week, in the tragedies that happened just a week ago, I was talking to a person and she said, I don't know how to help my friend. And I said to her, if you pray for your friend, you will definitely know how to help her. Just start there. We all can start there. 
in our prayer life, when we become comfortable with our vulnerability before God, we become then able to be comfortable with each other's. We can then encounter the sick, the broken, the sinful in one another and offer the compassion that that moment needs. It's important that we become comfortable with our vulnerability because God has extended God's grace into it and we long to extend our grace into others' vulnerability. Today we will have many organizations in Rector's Hall who go among the most vulnerable because these people are either hungry or homeless or bear the burden of poverty. And we are going to be invited to enter into the ministries that they do, to engage with the vulnerable around us. Starting even in that way, can help us become aware and comfortable with our vulnerability. God looks upon each of us, and he knows that we are but grass, here today and gone tomorrow. And God extends God's compassionate love to each of us in whatever our circumstances. When we know of our vulnerability and know of God's love of our vulnerability, we then know the freedom that we are offered in Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.